it means to follow him. His following me is not about pride and, and, and prestige and all that stuff, but it's about sacrifice and it's about service. And I'm going to show you this example. Now, I try to put myself in Jesus' shoes. What would happen if you've invested all this time in these disciples? Put all this time and effort into them to show them what the kingdom of God is about, to try to show them what, the, what, what you want them to be doing, and they are not getting it at all. Have you ever had that type of situation? You're trying to explain something to somebody, and it's just not getting through. Or have you ever been in that spot? Someone's trying to explain something to you, and it's just not getting through. I'm sure that... Um, some of my math teachers in high school felt that way with me. Like, what? What is that again? Explain that to me again. We may have some math whizzes here. I wrestled with that. That was not my calling in life. And I wrestled, and it was tough for me. And Jesus must have felt that same way. His disciples are just flat not getting it. And so what does he do? What do you do when someone is just not getting it? And what Jesus does here, if you look in chapter 10, we're going to read through the first section. I'll read through it here in just a second. What Jesus tells them, he doesn't tell them, okay, you're going to shepherd people now. You're going to be responsible for the other people's spiritual well-being. But what he does is he says, I want you, and not just the 12 apostles now, but I want you to go out. I'm going to send you out to tell people about my kingdom. I want you to, to talk about healing, that I'm a great healer, and demonstrate that. And I want you to tell them that I'm here to provide the forgiveness of sins. That's the message of Jesus that we see going throughout the book of Luke. And so he doesn't say, all right, you guys have failed, you're done, forget it, you're out. But their next step of growth is they're going to go out and they're going to share the message of Jesus with the people around. Okay, I'm going to read through this section and then we're going to unpack it. It's chapter 10, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, he says the same thing when he's talking to his um, disciples after he talked to the Samaritan woman. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The king, kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for the miracles that were performed in you have been... If for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The seventy-two returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for this was what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So Jesus spends a lot of time talking to his disciples here because he knows he's going to not be around much longer. And his disciples have to be able to carry on the message that he's, he's given to them. So there's a lot here, but we're going to hit some highlights here. You notice there's a, a concept in here is that God is a God that wants to be found. He's not a God that is out here somewhere that, well, maybe somewhere along the line a few people will find me or whatever, but God is a God who wants to be found. And you see that in all the way from creation, is that when God created Adam and Eve, he looked at his creation and said, this is very good, this is good. And we understand that he talked just like you and I talk to each other. He talked that way with Adam and Eve in the garden with them. And when sin came into the world, you notice God's disappointment, you see God's hurt, you see God is 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 devastated by that, but he doesn't quit. And he doesn't say, all right, you guys have blown it, that's it, you're done, you're going to never see my face again, Psh, gone. It's amazing how in so many of these, uh, I've talked with missionaries that, are, uh, that served in Africa for years in these tribal regions, and many of the, these uh, tribal religions will have a creator god somewhere, but he got offended somewhere and went to the mountains and he's been far away and they haven't, they, he doesn't want any type of relationship with them. And so what the missionaries try to do is help them understand, no, 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 there is a creator God, but he's been here the whole time, you just didn't realize it. And that's what we see from scripture and that's what it reveals to us is that God, even though he created the world, even though there was heartache shortly afterwards, God has continued to reach out to people in order to get his message across. You think about Moses and the burning bush. Was Moses looking for the burning bush? Nope. Moses is going along his sweet, merry way, herding his his sheep, and God appears to him in this this burning bush and changes his life and calls him. And a lot of people are affected because of that. There's story after story after story that we see in Scripture of God reaching out and God calling his people. He takes the first initiative. Go ahead and keep your finger there in Luke. Turn to Acts. We we talked about this in uh, on, during a Wednesday night family Bible time here a few weeks ago. But if you look in Acts chapter 17, this is Paul and he's sharing with, uh, with some, some people who, who don't know anything about God there, very little. In chapter 17 of Acts, verse 26, he says, From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. God did this. They would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And so Paul is telling him there, God has always wanted to be found. He's never been far from you. God has continually been reaching out to you. God wants to be found. That's what we see here. And that's why Jesus sends his disciples out. Because he wants to be found. And we also see here is that Jesus came to help us find God. That's what he's about, isn't he? Is Jesus is God that became flesh, to walk around among us, to show us what God is all about, so that it would bring us even closer to God, to understanding God. Try to think about how tough it would have been to try to follow God before Jesus came. 
It's kind of like um, I know I didn't. I grew up in the, around the mountains, and so that was. I understood the mountains. I, I understood the smell. I was I was born in that context, but I didn't see the ocean until I was about 13 or so the first time, and then didn't see it again until I was 22 or 23. And I had looked at pictures. I had um, I had I knew what it, what it looked like the ocean. But those of us, how many of you? We grew up by the ocean. Okay, not a lot of us here at all. There's a few of us. And so, do you know what I'm talking about the first time that you saw the ocean? Do you remember, how many of you remember the first time you saw the ocean? Okay, you know what I'm talking about then. Is you saw that ocean, you went down there, and there's smells that nobody could describe, there's sights that nobody can describe. I guess when I first saw the ocean, I expected it to be down there somewhere. And you stand on the beach, it's like it rises up in front of you. And I remember how I was impacted by that. I remember I was impacted by clams. I mean, clams, <laughs> that, those are cool. We're going to dig those up and, you know, try to eat them. You know, that's kind of amazing. And people could have told me about that, told me about that, told me about that. But until I sensed it myself, I couldn't understand it. And I think it's a similar situation with Jesus, is that when Jesus came to the world, all of a sudden, mankind got a sniff of what God is. What would God do if he's in this situation? We got to watch it. We got to see it. We got to observe it. And we have it all recorded right here. And we see that after Jesus left the earth, everything changed. His resurrection changed everything. Changed his disciples. It changed everything. And so Jesus came in order to help us find God. And that's part of why he sent his disciples out, to continue to share that message, because he knew that his presence was going to make a difference in people understanding him. And we're left with a choice because God wants to be found. Jesus is helping us as people find God is we got a choice is either we repent and follow Jesus or we reject Jesus. And you know what Jesus is talking there about about Bethsaida and and Chorazin versus Tyre and Sidon. Okay, Bethsaida and Chorazin were places where Jesus did miracles, where people were supposed to know God. And Tyre and Sidon were the arch enemies, these idol worshipers that were horrible people. And Jesus says, hey, I did these miracles around people that should have known better. And they rejected me. It's going to be better for people that have no concept, no desire to follow me whatsoever than for people who have seen me and rejected me. And that's true for all of us, is that all of us have this, this uh, choice every day we have to make. Is that I'm going to repent and follow Jesus or I'm going to reject Jesus and go my own way. That's what we wrestle through every day. And... Jesus' mission includes, from his disciples here, he tells them, I want you to go, I want you to leave your comfort zone, I want you to go out, I want you to trust me. Hey, there's people who aren't going to treat you well. If you do that, just shake the dust off your foot, just say, all right, this is on your heads. Don't strike them down with lightning, okay, we don't do that, but just show them, I'm going to shake the dust off my feet, this is on your heads, at least I tried. Promote peace. You notice he mentions, go into the people's houses that are promoters of peace or, um, and, and stay there. And go on rejoicing. In the last part there, you can imagine the, the, the intensity that Jesus is saying in the verses 23 and 24. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. In other words, you are the lucky ones. Because you're getting to see, you're getting to experience all of this that people have never been able to see and experience before. 
This is the good times. This is the good stuff. And Jesus finishes this section with this phrase. And this phrase um, always impacts me and I could say haunts me. The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There was a number of years ago that my family and I got the opportunity through uh, someone that Sylvia knew to go and, and camp on the side of Flathead Lake in this old cherry orchard. This, um, this acquaintance, had uh, their par- his parents had, had owned that cherry orchard and they would go up there in the would pick cherries and, and they would sell them and, and just a lot of great memories. But as the kids grew up, they had less and less time to go back because they had jobs that would not allow them to do that. And, and the kids were in their 50s at this point in time. But they said, hey, yeah, there's all the, the cherries are all ripe right now. You can go and you can go pitch your tent by the, by the lake. You can hang out there. And how many of you like flathead cherries? Oh, man, I love those things. I can eat piles of them at a time. And so I remember we drove in and we went and we put the tent up and the kids were pretty small at the time. And we started going into this, this cherry orchard. And you could tell that there were weeds around and it, it hadn't been taken care of as well as some other cherry orchard had been uh, recently. But there were 13 acres of cherries there. Think about that. 13 acres of cherry orchards. The, the One tree after the other after the other, all these cherries are irrigated. And we walked into this cherry orchard and they're everywhere. And they were ripe. We hit it right at that time. And I know from experience, I've always, uh, something my parents um, had my sister and I do when we were young is we would go out in the mountains and, and we would pick huckleberries. And, and I'm scarred from that event, you know, because I had to, to pick and pick and pick and you pick for hours and you have this many huckleberries in the bottom of a bucket. You know, it's, it's devastating, you know, kind of, you know, it's, it was worth it for the huckleberry cheesecake. All, every bit of it was worth it. But I, I noticed immediately is that when we started going around with these buckets and picking the cherries off these cherry trees, is it didn't take very long to fill up a gallon bucket of cherries at all. These big clusters up there, and you'd reach up and you'd just have them falling into the, the bucket. And as I looked around, I saw, standing in the middle of this 13 acres, looking around, there were cherry trees all around me. And we picked for a couple hours of big buckets and, and lots of cherries. And I remember when uh, we went back to the tent that night and when we got up to leave the next morning, I looked at that orchard and I thought, it is, it's sad that there's nobody else to pick those cherries off those trees. What's going to happen to them? They're just going to fall off, they're going to rot, they're not going to be used for anything. And it's sad that there's no hey, birds, exactly, that's what's going to happen. It's sad that there's nobody that's going to be able to make pies out of those cherries or that's going to sit around the table, that's going to enjoy them, that's going to, to have that opportunity. And I have to think that Jesus, as he's saying this, has got the same sort of sentiment on a much, much bigger scale. He's looking out and he's seeing all these people around that are confused, that don't understand the abundant life that he is bringing. They have a misunderstanding of God even his disciples are preventing others from doing good stuff. And Jesus, with his heart full of 
of emotion says, the harvest is great. There's so much to do out here. There's so much great stuff. There's so many people that need to hear the words of God. But there's so few people to go around and share my message with them. Therefore, what I want you to do is pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want you to pray that God raises up others to be able to share my good news with others. And Jesus started with 12. He sent out 72 at this time. And we're going to see that more and more get sent out to share the message of God afterwards. I think the thing that all of us need to consider and to think about as, uh, as we're coming face to face with these words is, will I go be someone who is sharing the message of God with the people around me? Because I think there's, there's, um, it's scary sometimes to start spiritual conversations. Okay. We're in church. You can't lie. All right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I find it scary sometimes. Um, I find it, um, sometimes my own insecurity comes to the table. Um, and I, I, I miss opportunities. Uh, sometimes just my personal comfort. Ooh, if I, if I start a conversation with this person right here, I might have to change my schedule. It might mess with my little personal comfort stuff, and, and I, can't, I can't do that. But the question keeps coming up is, did Jesus walk out of his comfort zone for you and me? Oh, yeah. Did Jesus' disciples leave their boats, leave the tax collector booth, leave all of what they had in order to share the abundant life of Jesus with the people around and so the question is, will I go? And this is not a passage that is, uh, that is designed just for people who are supported in ministry. This is a passage that Jesus, I believe, wants all of us to take to heart. In that you think about all of us have something that's unique. And I, I share this, and this is a reminder, and I'll share it again. Is that the people that you work with, the people that you share your hobbies with, the people that live in your neighborhood, the people that... Um, that maybe your extended family, those are people that don't know me at all, probably. But they know you, and you have the opportunity to share the message of Jesus with them like no one else can. And that's how the Word of God spreads. It isn't spread by a few voices here and there, but it's spread by common people like you and me that care enough about the people in our sphere of influence to say, The news of Jesus is so good that he raised from the dead, that he's forgiven sins, that he has brought peace. That news is so good. How can I not share that with the people around me? It burns in me, and I care so much that these people are separated from God, that may be separated from God for eternity, that I cannot help but share the message of Jesus with them. If they don't listen, then I can figuratively say, shake the dust off my feet, say, all right, I tried, I tried. But I can't help but not sh- but share the message with the people around me. There is a boy. I think there's uh, something that that Irv Irv's over here. Wave to everybody, Irv. There he is. All right. Irv said something to me th- the other day that I appreciate. And he he told me that something that he does personally, and I think it's a great thing for all of us. Just a, a great thing to to consider is he said I try to think if I can bring. At least one person to Christ every year. And bring somebody else the next year. And bring somebody else the next year. Who knows how God's going to work. And this is, I'm paraphrasing what, what Irv had to say. But I appreciate this perspective. I appreciate this heart. 
because it keeps us outward focused. If I can share the message of God and somebody becomes a Christian every year and I just keep doing that, who knows how many people are going to be affected a hundred years from now because of this or a thousand years from now or whenever Jesus comes back. Because we share the message of God with someone and maybe that someone becomes one that shares the message of God with many others. But that's a big thing is making sure that we do not get distracted by what's going on right in front of us. But each one of us keeps this as a priority that if I'm called to share the message of God with the people around me. Now there's a... You notice that Jesus, uh, because, uh, let me say it this way. Some of you may be thinking right now, I don't know what to say to somebody. I, that's hard. I, you know, I get it. I understand. Okay, I get that. But you notice that Jesus, right after his short in all these different ways, he does is just send them out to tell others about Jesus. He's not, they're not shepherding over the souls of other people at this point. That comes later. That comes to spiritual maturity. But it seems to me what Jesus is indicating here is that even when people fall flat, even when people have all these shortcomings, even when people think that they are incapable, those are the people that can still share the, my message with other people. Because ultimately, how hard is it to tell others that Jesus raised from the dead, or how much do we have to know to share that Jesus raised from the dead, that he's forgiven my sins, and there's an abundant life in following him? And we could tell people, believe me, I'm in process. Believe me, I've got places to grow but this is good stuff, and I want you to know about it. And I've found that there's, I've used all sorts of different study guides at different times in order to, to bring people to a point of decision to follow Jesus, and I've found to be the most effective ones, and I've got, I'll have some out here. I, I copied them, and I didn't staple them in time to get them out here, and I'll have them out here next week, and you're welcome to use them. If I can help, let me know. But simply reading through the gospel with somebody. And hearing the message of Jesus changes people's hearts. And you see people start to, even people that are skeptical, even people that have questions about, is the Bible the Word of God? Start with, well, let's not start there. Let's start with reading the story of Jesus. And we start there. What happens is oftentimes many of those questions are answered as you go along. And how many of you think that maybe if you ask somebody, that someone's trying to understand what it means to follow Jesus are capable of sitting down and just saying, hey, one night a week, let's just sit down, let's read the book of Matthew, let's read the book of Luke. We can do that. We can all do that. We can all figure out a way to do that. Through our imperfections and our shortcomings and all that, we can still do that. And we can, um, we can have the opportunity to invite people to come and, and worship with us. Easter is coming up, and there's people that will show up on Easter that do not show up in, or darken the door of a church building any other time. And this is a great time to say, hey, why don't you come on Easter? You can come to worship with me. I will sit by you. <laughs> I'll take care of you. There, lightning will not strike from heaven, at least not today, all right? And, it's, uh, and, and you're welcome to come. You can come to Wednesday night, come to Life Group, whatever it may be. But there's all sorts of ways that we can invite people to, uh, to come and participate in the abundant life of Jesus. And what God is, is asking us here, and what Jesus asked his disciples specifically, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And the question for us is, will I answer that call in my own way, whether I'm a plumber, whether I'm an electrician, whatever, whether I work at a bank, whatever my situation is, I'm going to answer that call wherever I am, and I'm going to share the abundant life of Jesus with the people around me. And uh, let's, go, let's just finish with a prayer today 
and praying this very same thing that Jesus is sharing here. Father in heaven, we thank you for the great blessings you give us and the abundant life of Jesus, the peace that we can have, the uh, hope that we have that our future is better than the past. Nobody else can say that, but we can because Jesus raised from the dead. In our prayer is that in this valley and the world around us, there's so much fruit and so many people don't know you. And our prayer is that you send harvesters out to be able to harvest that fruit, to share your message with others so that people can come to know your abundant life. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back and the elders are back there ready to pray with anybody who would like to, to pray with them today. Let's stand and sing together.